0: I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Asian Americans are the fastest growing population in the country. And their stories are becoming more visible in places that they haven't been before. Think about the big screen with Oscar award winning film, everything, everywhere, all at once. Or in schools that are starting to teach Asian American history or in the government from Vice President Kamala Harris to our very own state representatives and city council members here in Illinois and Chicago. But even with all that, there's a lot of work to do. According to a new survey from the Asian American Foundation, one in four people in the U.S. cannot name a single prominent Asian American. Let that sink in. The survey also shows that nearly 80 percent of Asian-Americans feel like they don't belong or aren't completely accepted, especially Asian-American women. So how can we build on more visibility to empower AAPI communities? Joining us now to weigh in is a panel of AAPI folks in our area. Michi Trotta is a Chicago-based writer and editor. Hey, Michi, welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me here. Siri Chilukori is a fellow at Grist, a nonprofit news organization organization focused on climate and justice. She's also the vice president of the Chicago chapter of the Asian American Journalists Association and co-director of the National Association's LGBTQ plus Affinity Group. Welcome, Siri.
1: Hi, great to be here.
0: And on the line with us from Springfield is Illinois State Representative Teresa Ma, who represents the 24th District. She also helps lead the Illinois Asian American Caucus. Thanks for taking the time during session to be with us today, Representative.
2: Hello. How are you? Doing
0: well. Thanks for having me. We appreciate your time. I'm going to start with you, Michi, before we uh, get into what is happening right now, right? I I want us to look back. Historically, what has Asian representation looked like? Um, Historically, what
3: it has looked like, and I think it's really important to make this distinction, that it's not that there haven't been Asian-Americans, Pacific Islanders, Native Hawaiians who have been taking very prominent roles and an active participation in shaping our country and our culture, it's that we their participation has been elided or even erased. So what it had – but the effect of that is as someone who grew up in the 1980s, the 1990s, I did not see myself reflected in positions of leadership, whether yeah. it was community leaders, teachers – uh, media uh, media stars or elected officials. Um, it's not that they weren't there, but they were not either paid attention to mm-hmm. or they were uh, on s- levels of influence that were sort of behind the scenes. So what does it look like today? What it looks like today is that um, we're definitely growing. I mean, I can throw a rock at anything on Netflix and there's so much more streaming and uh, broadcast and large media productions, particularly from the U.S., that are coming out of the U.S. But we're also getting more access to uh, Korean television shows, mm. Chinese dramas, all
0: of these things. How did we get here? I mean, did, did older generations pave the way for, for this increase?
3: Oh, older generations have absolutely been doing the work. Um, I I still remember... It was a big deal when Margaret Cho had her television show All-American Girl. I remember the show Vanishing Sun, which came out in the same block as Hercules and Xena. Oh,
0: my Uh, gosh. I remember that, too. Yeah.
3: It was way (laughs) back in the day. But uh, what it looks like now is that we don't have to struggle as much to find not only Asian-American rep as a larger umbrella, but we're having larger discussions about – individual communities within that umbrella.
0: I see. Siri, what does the term representation mean to you? (laughs) And what does it mean for you to be represented?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think there are a lot of conversations about you know, how far can representation actually go? When you see yourself on screen, you know, is that uh, a portrayal which really gets to the heart of your experience, or is it something that is kind of shallow, and they're just kind of, um, you know, trying to, to represent something without actually getting community input? But I do think there are examples of um, representation in uh, media in particular that go you know beyond the surface obviously everything everywhere all at once mm-hmm. um polite society the new film from the mansoor really gets to you know like how south asian women um really bond with each other and navigate a lot of tricky cultural conversations and stereotypes um and and really kind of uh the the film does a great job of of showing that yeah and, Also, the upcoming film, Past Lives from 824, with Greta Lee and kind of gets at this conversation about, you know, when you leave the country that your parents and your culture is from and you come to the U.S., what is the type of person that you become and what happens to those relationships?
0: Interesting. Uh, Representative Ma, when we talk about representation, it's important to note we're not only talking about people, right? It can also be the stories we tell, the food we share the music we listen to. Talk about that. What other forms of representation should be included in this conversation?
2: Right. So we can talk about uh, cultural representation as well as uh, political representation. So, you know, not just in terms of the number of people you see in media or in in films. I mean, we do need as many stories as possible, but it's important that our our voices are issues or needs are voiced in the halls of power and in the contexts where decisions are being made about people's lives.
0: According to a recent Nielsen study, Asian American representation in streaming TV shows almost doubled from 6% in 2020 to 11% in 2021. This goes back to what you were talking about, Mitchie. Uh, Are you seeing more representation on screen? Does it actually feel like an increase? It sounds like you were saying you do.
3: It does feel like an increase, but I at least what we're seeing visibly on the screen or on the page of books and stories. um, But I think it's really important to point out, and uh, the other panelists have touched on this, um, is that representation isn't just being seen and being Part of the table. Um, It is, you know, for me, it means that we are being seen at all levels of experience, particularly leadership, because, you know, we talk about, you know, the phenomenon of the glass ceiling for all different marginalized groups. Mm -hmm. But we need to be at all levels so that our perspectives and our concerns are integrated from the start, whether it is the production of a media property or the creation of policy or curriculum, Mm -hmm. or even just like, you know, who's going to, what your neighborhood celebration is going to be like, so that we are, instead of being treated as extras and add-ons, in a way, we are being treated as the norm. Mm. We're not not an outside or an extra, we're part of the norm, and have that done in a way that is more reflective of the reality that Asian Americans, Pacific Islanders, Native Hawaiians
0: are part of the U.S. Absolutely. As we talk, Siri, about this increase in representation on on, on streaming TV, when you see that, I mean, how accurate are the portrayals? Because that's another piece of this too, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think so. Or are you
0: screaming at your television like, no, (laughs) that's
1: wrong. I think it's about 50/50. <laughs> but when it's like four portrayals, that's <laughs> not a lot. You're like, "Well, thanks." Yeah. But I think that gets to the heart of it, which is that, you know, Asian American is such a huge term that describes such a wide swath of people um that exist at different intersections of power um in society. And so when you're thinking about like What is the Asian-American experience? Well, there is not just one Mm Asian-American experience. There's, you know, South Asian-American experience. There is a Southeast Asian-American experience. There's a Central uh, Asian-American experience. And and also Asian people who live in this country who are not American. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think part of the broadening of representation in media is also going to be taking out these stories which do not – you know, portray people who are kind of more adjacent to, you know, the the centers of power, but also people who live on the margins, right? Disabled Asian Americans, queer Asian Americans. Um, Undocumented. Yeah, undocumented Asian Americans. And really trying to um, expand the complexity of these stories is something that I think um, is really a valiant effort and that some people are definitely trying to do.
0: Representative, who were the AAPI people that you saw or looked up to when you were growing
2: up? Well, I grew up in an immigrant community in San Francisco, and so there were lots of Asian Americans all around me. Um, But in particular, you know, as I became aware of, uh, you know, who held positions of power, um, it, it was notable that in San Francisco, there were lots of Asian American elected officials, there were community activists, like, you know, there was um, Rose Pack was very active in the community, and she would appear in the newspapers uh, on a regular basis. And I knew she was Asian American. Um, There was also uh, the Secretary of State, March Fong Yu, who held statewide office. And I knew from her name that she was an Asian American woman. And I think that those representations really had an impact on me mm-hmm. and planted a seed in my head that, you know, those positions were possible hmm. for someone who looked like me. So so and, growing and up,
0: you, you embraced your identity, it sounds like.
2: I, I did. And, you know, I, I, as I said, I grew up in an immigrant community. And so, you know, there were Asian Americans around me all the time different ethnic groups. You know, I went to, um, a Catholic school and, you know, there were, there was a diversity of, um, ethnic groups represented. Um, so it wasn't until I, um, left that bubble that, um, you know, I, I began being more aware of, um, you know the the marginal position that asian americans held in in society and and i went to uc berkeley so i had the opportunity to take asian american studies classes um so you know that was um a privilege that i had to be able to sort of center my identity um and you know have the the validation um provided for me um mm-hmm. through those those uh classes and the books I read and, and uh, the lectures um, and stories I was exposed to.
0: Yeah. And it's hard when we talk about the, when we bring it back to now and and we talk about what's going on, uh, we've got to also mention technology, right? The internet, Mm -hmm. social media, right? All these developments, they've also played a role in increasing the visibility of Asian people around the world. Right? Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I want to go back to that survey from the top that I mentioned. The Asian American Foundation reported that AAPI folks still struggle, though, with feeling like they belong in America. Uh, the top two reasons that folks gave were, one, facing discrimination, and two, not seeing enough AAPI representation in leadership roles. Mitchy, talk about that. Uh, does it resonate with you? Oh, yeah.
3: It absolutely resonates. Um, I... Grew up at a point where there was no social media when I was a kid. When I was a teenager, you know, I wasn't even really active online until well into my thirties. In uh, you know the mid to late aughts. A late bloomer. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> probably better for me. My nose was stuck in a book all the time. Right. Um, but what it what it ends up doing to you when you can't when you can't see that is that um, there are, are so many writers who have talked about this, particularly in pop culture spaces, which is where I tend to live, where they have pointed out that part of the issue is that it is much harder to imagine yourself into spaces where culturally, politically, socially, you're being told that you don't belong or that there are only certain roles that you are allowed to inhabit, so when you see other people who are disproving that narrative mm-hmm. whether it's in a fictional setting or in real life it plants the seed in you that it's actually possible for me to dream bigger and to dream differently so that when we talk about representation mattering i think this is one of the re- one of the biggest reasons is that When somebody else inhabits a possibility that you have been told your whole life, whether explicitly or implicit, and let's be real, a lot of this is implicit. It's not necessarily, it's not always the angry racist in your face. It's the implicit messages based on who you see around you, occupying positions of power, whether or not you can imagine yourself Doing something different yeah. than that.
0: So, are young AAPI women were actually the most likely to say that they don't feel like they belong, mm-hmm. or that they aren't completely accepted? Does that ring true?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's 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 difficult to say. Um, for you know, obviously, every woman. I think for myself, I have been incredibly lucky that my foray into journalism was supported by the Asian American Journalists Association, and so through them, I really got to see that there was a place for me in journalism. Um, and I think that is what you know, groups like this do uh, essential work into trying to you know place uh, young journalists in newsrooms, mentor them in the early years of their career. And then um, eventually provide leadership positions. And um, in journalism, you know, there was a recent Pew Research um, Center survey which said that seventy six percent of. Um, all reporting journalists were white and three percent were asian mm. um that is actually unfortunately highest in in my beat environment and energy or um the least amount of asians are represented so yeah. um it is uh, a little disheartening to see figures like that especially you know when it is something that uh, an organization that i care about um is trying to fix but i think you know These are all opportunities for growth.
0: For sure. Well, before we take a pause, I want to just slide into the big question here. You've got this increased visibility. What do you do with it? Uh, We heard from Chong Chen, a Chicago Public High School Chinese language teacher, for the conversation. Here's a little bit of what she had to say. Being a visible figure carries both privileges and responsibilities. Uh, recognize and honor the diverse experience, language, cultures, and histories within the AAPI community is what a teacher wants to promote for students. So Representative, she mentioned privileges and responsibility. What does it mean to use representation and visibility responsibly?
2: Well, we have an obligation to make sure that the issues, um, the voices from people in the community, um, are heard, um, and are addressed. Um, so, you know, the issue of, um, language access, for example, you know, that's been, um, an issue that our caucus has been really focused on. It's become a priority. Um, and, you know, those of us who represent districts with, um, community-based organizations that serve our populations. You know, we have a responsibility of making sure that our colleagues understand, you know, what's happening in our communities, you know, what the needs are and how to make public policy that helps um, people that we represent thrive. Mm -hmm. Because um, it's important that, that they hear what we have to say and, and you know, what we um, are asking for on behalf of our constituents.
0: We'll continue this conversation about AAPI representation, visibility, and accountability with our guests, Illinois State Rep. Teresa Ma, writer and editor, Michi Trotta, and Siri Chilicori with the Chicago chapter of the Asian American Journalists Association. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, we are continuing our conversation about representation of Asian American and Pacific Islander communities, and not just why there needs to be more or why it matters, but what happens next when people do, who historically didn't have this level of visibility before, now do. Our panel is still with us, writer and editor Mitchie Troda, Siri Chilukori with the Chicago chapter of the Asian American Journalists Association, and Illinois State Representative Teresa Ma, who helps lead the Illinois Asian American Caucus. So Mitchie, I want to get your thoughts about the idea of claiming things as Asian American. And what what I mean by this is um, because popular TV shows like ABC's Fresh Off the Boat, Uh, or books like Crying in H Mart, Uh, they've got themes and stories that people in the community resonate with, they can be labeled as the Asian-American show or the Asian-American movie. Does that create issues? I think it creates issues
3: when you're using the, when you're setting it up as it is... The token. This is the token or the pedestal that we want to put you on because part of the burden of representation in that many marginalized people have to deal with is that it, there is an unfair and inequitable expectation that we are supposed to once we gain visibility we are the avatar for an entire community that is extremely diverse like um i was the first Filipino to win a Hugo Award.
0: Congratulations. Oh, thank you.
3: (laughs) Uh, You know, I I now have five. And with each successive um, step forward in my career, there's definitely been a lot of pressure to be like, I want to rep my people. Mm -hmm. I want to rep the Asian American community. I'm repping the science fiction and fantasy community. And because when I started, you know, I was the first. There are now multiple Filipino um, That's wonderful. Hugo winners, which is great because someone was making this point on Twitter talking about the apparently impending story, death storyline for Miss Marvel on Marvel Comics, which I have no idea what they're doing. But what this person was talking about was the idea that when you only have one, when you only have a few, there is very little room for nuance or for failure. Mm-hmm. There is little room for exploration because you want this one thing to succeed because there is the inherent fear that if we lose it, it will go away. Yeah. And that makes us even more hesitant to publicly hold creators, to hold creations mm-hmm. to account when they don't do things successfully. Such a great point.
0: You're nodding there, Siri. Yeah, i got to hear what you think about that.
1: Well, uh, before I dive in, I just want to issue a quick correction, which is that um, the environment and energy beat uh, for journalism actually has the lowest amount of journalists of color in general, not uh, Asian-Americans. Thanks for that. uh, When it comes to Ms. Marvel, I mean, what an incredible uh, representation of um, a a girl from Jersey who's, you know, Desi and like Pakistani-American and... I know that you know um, my cousin actually, and other you know people from Central and, and North Jersey who are they um, see American um, or South Asian like really felt incredibly represented by that sort of experience mm-hmm. where you get that kind of geographical um, significance of you know where where are people where. are people in these communities actually living. Um, and so that is a fantastic example of, you know, a superhero. But so much of her her problems, like the culture clash between her and her parents, juggling all these different responsibilities and mm-hmm. her role in her faith community, all of them are incredibly, um, you know, nuanced and um, yeah. really. There's more to consider. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Well, Representative, you are a very public AAPI figure being in state government, of course, do you feel
2: pressure to act as the representative for your community? Oh, well, it's, it's gotten a lot better now. But when I first uh, joined the General Assembly, I was the first and only Asian American for two years. I mean, you're a
0: representative, of course, by title, but are you the representative for Asian Americans?
2: No, because we have um, eight Asian Americans in the House now and, and one in the Senate and uh, a tremendous diversity of um, ethnic backgrounds and um, interests and talents. And so so I'm no longer the representative. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think it's important to have as many voices at the table as possible. And it's just been you know, great to be relieved of the burden of being the only one because, you know, it, it, it was frankly, you know, a little challenging to be the only member of the general assembly. you know, trying to represent the, the experiences of more than 800,000 Asian Americans across the state, you know, it's, it's impossible. And, you know, my, my first term, I would stand up and and, uh, make points of personal privilege and, and, you know, share uh, highlights from Asian American history during um, Asian American heritage month. Um, So I had to do that by myself, but now um, it's been amazing this month, you know, with my colleagues, especially here in the house, you know, everybody's taken on um, a little bit of the responsibility and, and, um, at the same time, you know, my colleagues um, are learning a tremendous amount about um, Asian Americans, yeah. you know, not only in the state of Illinois, but um, across the country and um, and in history. So so it's been wonderful to um, have that expansion yeah. and, and growth in representation.
0: Well, on that same topic, I want to play another clip from Chinese language teacher Chong Chen. Uh, she shared her thoughts on this very same uh, issue. So visible figure does not should not carry that burden to represent all, however, I think they do have the opportunity to share their narratives and challenge stereo and challenge those stereotypes that putting on them so Michi, how do you balance not putting the burden on these high profile a a p i people to you know represent as um such diverse and complex communities? while also holding them accountable for the influence that they have, the power that they have.
3: So my friend Sarah Kuhn, who is a fantastic author, can't stand her books enough, um, has talked about this as sort of the, um, she calls it the rep sweats, right? Mm. So we're always wondering, like, you know, how do we walk this line of, um, what is an unf- it is it is an unfair responsibility because of that lack of greater representation. Like if you think about how many white people you see in all aspects of life and leadership, there's so many that not one person has to carry the burden of that response of that responsibility. Correct. And I think the ways that we can talk about how to balance that Not putting people on a pedestal and not putting pressure on them to be perfect and being able to make those necessary critiques um, in public because that the public part I think is really important is that we talk about not just who reps us but how they rep us. And Mm -hmm. when I say how, I am not talking about are they authentic enough? Are they performing Asian enough? That's not the how. The how is – the how question is around how are they using power? How, are they using – once they have gained power, are they using it to excuse or minimize harmful behavior, mm-hmm. proximity to uh, – and complicity in white supremacy and ignoring
0: injustices that, quote-unquote, aren't about us? So many us. people have power and then remain silent when it's yes, time to speak.
3: It's the like now that I've got it, I don't want to lose it. Yeah. But or, – or are they using that increase in influence and access to privilege – to move us forward into equity, justice, a real pluralistic multiracial democracy. How are you using power? I think that is more that is the real line of being able to talk about how somebody is doing from any marginalized community mm-hmm. uh, when they're in a highly visible position of power that not many people like them are in. We acknowledge the fact that uh, AsNA I think mentioned this really, really well on Tuesday. The idea that we are held to a higher standard and punished even more harshly when we don't live up to that disproportionate
0: expectation yeah, that's a that was a very good point uh, from AsNA earlier in this series. Siri, we've been talking about you know what it means to use visibility. And, and representation responsibly. Mm-hmm. I've got to bring up this recent effort that you started uh, at the Asian American Journalists Association to empower LGBTQ plus uh, members. Tell us a bit about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, me and uh, my other co-director, uh, Jaira Dang, who is based in LA, um, we're kind of having some conversations about, you know, what uh, what does inclusivity within your community look like? And um, decided to start this group, um, and we are kind of in in the early stages of planning events. But I think that the main goal of it is to one provide um, a safe space for Asian American um, and Pacific Islander um, journalists who kind of who are queer to gather and build community and then kind of figure out like what do we want to do how do we want to change journalism for Mm -hmm. the better how do we want to make sure our stories are represented um and that like we when we are reporting on our own communities you know how are we being held holding each other accountable absolutely um and I think by you know having that sort of uh I think the, the aim of this group is to to do all of these kinds of different things but First and foremost, it's all about community.
0: Representative, uh, what have you learned from the generations before you about how to mobilize and empower AAPI communities?
2: Well, first of all, I've learned that there has has been a lot of um, organizing and uh, mobilization that's happened in the past that doesn't get acknowledged nearly enough in the present. I studied history and Mm -hmm. and spent a few years as an Asian American studies professor. And I think that the importance of learning that history also adds to the representation and the, the, the sense of, you know, what, um, you know, a young people can imagine that is possible. Right. Because for example, you know, there were, um, labor organizers in our history. There were, um, political figures, um, that, you know, don't get a lot of uh, attention or, or spotlight. Um, there were activists and, you know, with the dearth of representation in, um, in media and, um, um, in, in our culture in general, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, I think learning that history becomes even more important because it can be a way to empower um, sure. the younger generation.
0: Yeah. And speaking of the younger generation, Siri, <laughs> real quick, what do you hope older generations learn from your generation?
1: Mm-hmm. I think there is like a really strong um, kind of effort in younger generations to tie some of the ills of colonization because a lot of um, Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders come from places that were um, in the past or currently colonized to certain behaviors um, that have emerged within the community and then are kind of, um, you know, transplanted when when people migrate to the U.S. And so I think taking like a critical look at the history not only of Asian Americans in the United States, but also, you know, what are our histories um, in in our countries of origin? Mm-hmm. Um, if that's, you know, something that is relevant and important, um, and so, you know, I think especially from the LGBTQ standpoint, where it, it might be um, a lot da- more dangerous to actually have these conversations or start these conversations in um, our countries of origin, it's it's an important kind of. Larger historical conversation.
0: Last word to you, Michi. I've got 30 seconds here. Talk about younger and older generations working together to uplift AAPI communities. I think what we
3: are doing and that I find very heartening is that between generations, there's a much better willingness to have difficult conversations about how we have embraced proximity to whiteness and assimilation as a way to achieve safety in the United States mm-hmm. and how that is perpetuating inequitable systems it is perpetuating the harms of ongoing colonization because let's not forget Hawaii is still occupied territory mm-hmm. many pacific islanders are part of the Ameri- are still part of the american empire and asking ourselves the hard questions of what can we do when we attain power mm-hmm. so that we are not perpetuating these systems and that we are Asking ourselves, what are we putting first—justice yeah. and equity, or our own um, our own
0: desire to be yeah. part of what we see as a empire? Essentially, we'll have to leave it there. Writer and editor Michi Troda. We've been talking with Siri Chilukori with the Chicago chapter of the Asian American Journalists Association, and Illinois State Representative Teresa Ma. Thank you all so much for this great discussion.
1: Thank you.